0: Welcome to the James River Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Pastor David Lindell, Executive Ministry Pastor at James River Church. It's our prayer that this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. Well, I believe God is already speaking to us tonight. He's already working, he's already moving. I wanna take you just for a few brief moments to John's Gospel, John's Gospel, and I wanna talk to you from the subject when you're close to God, when you're close to God. I don't know about you, but I want to be close to God. I want to live in a way that pursues proximity with his presence. I want to live in a way that invites his nearness, not just where I'm trying to get close to him, but there's a way that you can live as a child of God where it's attractive to the presence of God, where God places his hand on your life. And as you're moving throughout your day, you move with the presence of God on your life. It's not haphazard, it's not incidental, it's intentional and it's continual and These words of Jesus that we go to in John chapter 15 are really, really instructive. In fact, this portion of scripture in my Bible has got all these different highlights in it because this passage tends to work me over a little bit. But Jesus says this in John chapter 15 verse one. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Do we have any gardeners in the house? really quiet gardeners, which actually fits the profile, I think. So, um, kind of quiet in your garden. I've got some loud gardeners at home. We have two raised garden beds and Becky's a gardener, but I've got four very loud gardeners who follow her around and, uh, not very effective, but loud. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. So when he says in me, he's talking about those who are in Christ while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful fruitfulness as we talked about on Sunday so if you go back if you didn't catch Sunday you need to catch Sunday it was a really powerful powerful message but fruitfulness is an infallible mark of Christianity if you're a Christian you should be fruitful if you're a Christian you will be fruitful there will be an effectiveness spiritually about your life that your life will produce things that are in keeping with God's character God's nature and God's calling on your life it just will happen because fruitfulness is an infallible mark of what it means to be a Christian now look at verse 4 what Jesus says remain in me as I also remain in you and then when you jump down to verse 5 he says I am the vine so he's gonna spell this out okay so let's keep this all straight Jesus is the vine God the Father is the gardener we are the branches I'm the vine you're the branches if you remain in me and I in you you will bear much fruit apart from me you can do nothing If you're in me and you remain in me, you're gonna bear a lot of fruit. Your life is going to be exceedingly spiritually effective for the sake of the kingdom of God. There will be a tangible weight and evidence to God's power and God's presence on your life because you remain, because you, some translations say abide. And that Greek word there is the word minnow. Can anybody say minnow? Minno, it's the Greek word minno, and what it means in essence, in its simplest form, is to stay put. Minno means to stay put, so when Jesus says remain in me, he says park your life next to me, stay next to me. Travel next to me, as you go through your days, do it, making sure that you have linked your life up, you've linked wherever you're going, whatever work you're doing, whatever relationships you're engaging, you're engaging them, but you're staying linked up with me. You're remaining in me. But in this passage, and here's what I love about the passage, Jesus doesn't just talk about the mechanics. Of remaining he talks about the effects that remaining has that when you remain when I remain when you watching online when you park your life when you when you stay linked up with Jesus it produces certain things in your life that closeness with God when you're walking close to God there are certain things Jesus says are reflected in the reality of your life You just see them. You can observe them in the lives of people you watch who are linked up. So what are those things? What are the things that when you're walking close to God will happen? What are the things that when you're linked up with God, you will see come about? And the first is that you will know what God is doing in your life. And I mean that not specifically always. Although I think often we can know specifically how God is working and how God is moving. But you will know generally what God is doing and the angle he is taking in your life. Go back to verse 2. He says, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Who's the gardener? God the Father. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. So grape growers, so I don't know if we have any vineyard people in the room. I don't think that's what they're called. Grape growers, (laughs) viticulturalists, if you will, know the importance of pruning. They know like, and there are actually multiple ways to prune a plant. That if you're going to prune that, that practice has several stages. There's pinching that removes the growing tip so that it will not grow too rapidly. There's topping off when a foot or two of new growth is removed to prevent the loss of an entire shoot. There's thinning out. There's also cutting away suckers that you know, are, are taking or leaching off nourishment from the main body of the plant. But it's all part of the pruning process. And here's though the reality. To the untrained eye, so if you're not a, a grape grower in a technical term, if you're not that, if you're not a, a plant person, if you're not a, a quiet gardener in the room, if you're not one of those people, what can happen is when you watch somebody pruning, it can look painful or it can look unnecessary or it can even look wasteful. So I do some pruning on occasion. So I've got this very little pine shoot from a loblolly pine in my yard and um, when I when I'm pruning something I have to do it in secret and here's the reason I have to do it in secret because Owen will come out of the house and immediately stop me and say what are you going to cut down (laughs) I'm not going to cut anything down I'm just going to prune something because I prune things sometimes and he'll say you know what are you going to cut I like but I like that branch that I I think the tree's pretty just the way it is it's and so yes oh it's actually no no it's not that at all (laughs) I'm trying to get things done over here okay like this so when I was home today I didn't invite him into the process I just quietly went and got the pruning shears went out in the front yard and then uh and I was doing it for a sermon it accomplished two things one i needed it for this two the tree, the tree needed to be pruned and pines i looked it up you can prune a pine in june okay so for all you gardeners you and me you know quiet just loving our plants and things so um but when when to an untrained eye when you're watching the pruning process it can look painful whether it can look weight you can look unnecessary Added to that, what you'll notice about my pine branch, and I was cognizant of this when I cut it down. It's not very big. It probably looks really little to you because you're, over, you're, you know, you're 20 rows back, whatever, and I'm holding this little pine branch. And I think a lot of times the way we think about pruning in our lives is exactly that. That we think when God the Father comes as a gardener, He only cares about pruning the big stuff. So I only need pruning if there's some real big deal going on in my life. Yeah, there's people and they need a lot of pruning. They're the, you know, I know that God likes to prune people. And I think that person over there could, I mean, you see them, they could really use some pruning. Um, We're good at pointing out the pruning that other people need. And we tend to think, well, if God's going to prune something, he only cares about the really, you know, if there's it's something that needs to be pruned, I'm sure it's really a, a really big thing that needs to be pruned. But one of the things you'll recognize about pruning is effective pruning prunes little things on a regular basis that it's the little things that get pruned off that help the tree grow and flourish. Because if you're only irregularly pruning the big things, you're going to hurt the plant you're going to damage the tree a good gardener and God is a good gardener he's going to prune on a regular basis in the right season in small quantities because how many of you know when you allow God and you participate with what God wants to cut away from your life All of a sudden, what you recognize is it's produced major growth and all it was is these little, the Holy Spirit tweaking your heart, the Holy Spirit talking to you, God the Father trimming things off your life. It looks small, but the benefits on the back end were really, really big. Why? Because you submitted to the pruning process while other people were watching your life and saying, doesn't that hurt? I mean, I mean, why are you why are you walking through that? If God loved you, why would you, why would you, why would he allow you to experience that? If 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 God cared, wouldn't he, wouldn't he stop? What's going on? And you're able to look back at them, you're able to walk through the situation, you're able to confront what faces, what looks painful, what looks inconvenient, what looks unnecessary, what looks wasteful, and say, oh, no, 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 no. I'm just growing right now. Oh, no, 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 no. God, when he prunes something, he does it so it will be even more fruitful, even more, that he wants more to come out of my life. He wants more to come out of our marriage. He wants more to come out of our home. He wants more to come out of my business. He wants more to come out of my gifts. So he's pruning me, and I can be joy-filled in the process because I know what God is doing. I know that God is a master gardener. I know that God doesn't make mistakes. I know that God doesn't waste my pain. God is pruning. When you are close to God, you can always know that he is working so that you will be even more fruitful. You will be even more effective, but that's not all you also know your need. I love this. Look at verse 4. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And then listen to the end of verse 5. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing here's the reality the longer you and I walk with God the less self-sufficient we become the longer you walk with God the less self-sufficient you become because the longer you walk with God the more aware of your need and your dependence you are on him God, I know I need you. God, I know I can't do anything on my own. Jesus said, I only see, I only do what I see the Father doing. Total dependence on the Father, total focus on the Father. Jesus, this model of dependence in his life and his earthly ministry, becomes our example. The longer you walk with God and the closer you get to him, the more you know not only can I not do life on my own, but I wouldn't want to do life on my own. I need him. I need to be close to him. I need to walk close to him. The least self-sufficient people in the world are the people who have the deepest relationship with Jesus, so with Jesus. And they understand that unless God, unless I'm close to God, unless I'm walking with him, guess what can't happen? I can't offer a watching world anything. Unless you're walking close to Jesus. What he has done in you, and what he wants to do through you cannot affect a watching world, cannot affect the people around you in the way that he desires or designed those interactions to impact them because you're not close enough to him. If you're, if you're close to Jesus, you know, you recognize, unless he goes with me into that meeting, it's not gonna work out. Unless he goes before me into that conversation, I have no hope of it going well. That's why these kind of people, that they're, they're like, they're praying more they're seeking God more. They're not they're very conscious that hey, I don't want to make a decision, I don't want to make a move unless I've stopped and talked to God about it because I know apart from him I can do nothing. I can't bear the things, the fruit that I'm called to bear. My life won't produce what it's called to produce because I don't have him as close to me and as intimately attached to the details of my life as I need him to be. So, not only do you know what God's up to, but you know what you need. But here's the really exciting part. Number three, you know answered prayer. You know answered prayer. Look at what Jesus says now in verse seven. He says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. How many of you love that promise? Come on, do you love that promise? If you, okay, there we go. If you, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you can ask whatever you wish and it will be done. Now here's often the way that this verse sadly gets taught. It gets taught that when you get to the end, you have to read the beginning as a caveat. It's a caveat to answered prayer. It's the fine print on the back of the medicine bottle. Okay, so now I just wanna help you understand, guys, that when I know, because I know that a lot of you are not gonna experience this part, and I want you to know the reason for that is all of this. These are the exclusions. The The reason that is so sad is because God never meant these to be the exclusions. He meant this to be the igniter to answered prayer. These are not the excuses for why prayer doesn't get answered, they're the igniter, they're the ignition switch for answered prayer in your life. Jesus reads them on the front and he says, if you remain in me, okay, so you position yourself as close to me as you can possibly get, and my word remains in you. If you're if you're bound up in my word, if you've got my word in you, what it's going to do is it's going to shape your desires and it's going to shape your heart and now you're going to see the situations you're walking into and you're going to see the people that you encounter through my eyes and you're also going to see them through the eyes of faith. A lot of times what God's word does is it raises the bar of our expectation for what's possible. I encourage you to do this. Take a certain color highlighter, and next time you read the Gospels, highlight all of the miracles in that one color. And what it'll do is it'll, it'll astound you about how often miracles saturate the ministry of Jesus. And you and I are meant to do life like he did life. You and I are little Christ. And so if miracles and the supernatural saturated the life and ministry of Jesus, it's supposed to saturate our lives and our ministries. Because you're on assignment to be Jesus to the people around you, to be Jesus' hands and feet. You were meant to know answered prayer. Jesus says, if you'll link up, if you'll get really, really close to me, and you'll get your word, my word in your heart, if it'll saturate your mind, if it'll inform your thinking, if it'll shape your heart, all of a sudden you'll see life and you'll see people the way I see life and I see people and it'll change the way that you talk to me. And because it changes the way you talk to me, it'll change the way you see answers to prayer materialize in your life because you were made to know answered prayer now number four number four you know God is glorified through you this is so powerful look at what Jesus says in verse eight this is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit showing yourselves to be my disciples. In other words, if you want the product of your life to be about more than your life, then what has to happen in your life is that you've got to position yourself so close to God. You've got to walk with God in a way. You've got to walk with God day in and day out, moment in and moment out. You've got to position yourselves in his or yourself in his presence so continually so continually that you allow yourself and your life to be a massive sign that points past you to him. I don't want my life to point to me, and you don't want your life to point to you. You want your life to point to him. I don't want my life to even point to this life. I want my life to point to eternal life. But the only way your life or my life points to eternal life is if God is being glorified through my life and the only way God gets glory through my life is when I'm as close to him as I can possibly be if I'm remaining, if I'm close. Jesus said, if you remain in me, my word remains in you. Not only is there answered prayer, but God, God gets the glory out of your life. Then, number five, you know God's joy in your life. So interesting the way that Jesus says this in verse 11. He said, I have told you this so that you, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. I love that Jesus doesn't just say that your joy may be complete. What does he say? He says, so that my joy may be in you. In other words, he's not talking about a temporal joy. He's not talking about a human emotion. He's not talking about something you can get out of regular interaction. He's talking about something that's supernatural because it's not your joy, it's his joy in you a supernatural joy-filled existence that is only possible through remaining in him think about the implications of this think about how desperately our world needs people who walk with a supernaturally imparted joy because they're walking so close to jesus that when they bump up with you they're like you're unnaturally joyful say i'm not unnaturally joyful i'm supernaturally joyful because his joy is in me. It's in me, and it because it's because I've linked up my life. I'm close to him. Jesus says, if you remain in me, you know what's gonna happen? You're gonna know what God's doing. He's pruning you to make you more effective. If you remain in me, you'll, you'll know your need. If you remain in me, you're going to know answered prayer. It's going to happen. You're going to see it. If you remain in me, God's going to be glorified in you. And if you remain in me, my joy is going to be in you. It's going to be in you. And you know what? I think... If we just look at this as a how-to list to accomplish the things that Jesus is talking about, we'll miss it because really what Jesus is talking about is how to live life like he lived life, how to, how to walk the day in and day out of your life with the intentionality, the purpose, and the activity that, accomp- or that accompanied the Son of God's earthly life and ministry. This is how Jesus did life. He's talking about regular communion with the Father. He's talking about a confidence in what God is doing. He's talking about answered prayer. Can you walk through the gospels and help me find some places where Jesus prays for a miracle to be done and it's not done? I'll wait, I'll wait. Because Jesus, the way he walks through situations and moments when people present needs is he walks with this supernatural confidence that God is going to work through His Son, Jesus, the Son of God, to bring healing and to bring wholeness and to bring resurrection where there's death, decay, and discouragement. Jesus walks that way. The question, though, is how did Jesus walk that way? How did He walk that way? We actually know the answer. Jesus is pointing them to the things that are produced when they're bearing fruit and when they're close to him. But the engine that drives that closeness, the engine that allows you to know the power of proximity with Almighty God is the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. When you go to Luke chapter four, look at this. Then Jesus, this is at the beginning of his earthly ministry. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned to the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. Then Jesus, this is verse 14, returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. How did Jesus do what he did? How did Jesus walk in tandem with the Father's heart and the Father's desire? How did he do what he saw the Father doing? He did it empowered by the Holy Spirit, which is the same Spirit that longs to empower you. This is why when you think about fruit in the New Testament, What do you think? You think about Paul talking about in Galatians, the fruit of the spirit. Jesus says, you wanna bear fruit? Well, here's what fruit looks like in the life of a child of God. But if you're gonna get there and you're gonna live like me, and there's gonna be a power that accompanied my life on your life, then you're gonna have to have what I had. And I walked in the fullness, I was led by, and I was empowered by the Spirit of God. You know what, church? God wants to empower you to walk close to Him. God wants to empower you to see prayers answered. God wants to empower you to see the supernatural done. God wants to empower you to walk with the joy of the Lord as your strength. He wants to empower you. But what has to happen is you have to be full of what He was full of. You have to be full of the Holy Spirit. Some of you have never been filled with the Spirit. And here's the issue. You said, well, maybe God wants that for me, maybe he doesn't. I mean, I'm open to whatever God wants. But there's been no active seeking. There's been, very little active positioning of saying, God, I'm getting in your presence and I'm saying, I want what you have for me and I am seeking you full on until it happens. I'm not stopping. I'm not letting go because you've called me and you've equipped me. You want to equip me with everything I need to not only be close to you, but bring that closeness to a lost and dying world and I'm not going to leave that on the sideline. I'm not going to leave that on the table. I'm going to say, God, God, use me, God, fill me, I'm ready, I'm all yours. And there are others, and you know, you know because you've been filled that what you need is you need more closeness than ever before. You need to walk in a closeness with Almighty God that is greater than you've ever done ever walked before because you know God wants to do greater things in you and through you than he's ever done before and the answer is he absolutely does and the answer is he absolutely will as you draw close to him as you draw close to him